0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Let's, uh, let's look at this. I want to I read from uh, John chapter 11, and uh, we're going to read from verse 1 uh, through to verse 4, and then I'm going to skip down and read from verse 38 through to verse 44. I'm reading from the New King James. And if you don't have a Bible, just look on the screen. Now a man, now a certain man, I'm sorry, a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death or this sickness will not end in death. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Skip down in verse 38. And Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, uh, Lord, by this time there is a stench. I think the King James, King, uh, the King James said, he stinketh. That sounds better, doesn't it? He stinketh. Um, <laughs> he stinketh. The Lord said, there's a stench for he has been dead for days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but for the but because of the people who are standing by, I said this that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things He cried with a loud voice, say a loud voice, a loud voice saying, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Um, We were last week, um, if you were here last week, we talked about... um, uh, the sermon that I preached, um, we talked about, you remember the sermon, the title of the sermon, I've Got Issues. How many of you remember that? Um, how many of you want to confess, I've still got issues? Look, as someone said, the sermon was good, but I've still got some issues. Um, and and uh, this week, uh, I was praying and just really seeking God, and I felt God um, put this story on my heart. And and as I started to, to look in this story and study it and put together what I felt God was, was showing me, I realized um, that there 's a similarity here between the story that we preached last week and the story that i 'm preaching this week, um, so if you want to uh, i didn 't start last week um, with the with the idea that it you know I have issues would become almost like a little theme that would follow into this week, um, but really it is so under the banner of that as a theme or of, as of a series, if you like, um, I want to preach this message this morning we 're looking at another gentleman in scripture that has some issues. Tell someone again, I've got some issues. Um, He is someone that has issues that are a little more serious than blind Bartimaeus that we looked at last week. This dude, um, issues are actually so bad that his issues have ended his life. This guy, Lazarus, We know this story that we've just read. We've probably heard it many times before if you've been in church. Lazarus, the story begins with Lazarus being sick and the sickness leads him to a death, leads him to a grave. We're looking at another man who also has issues. Something that often we say whenever we face a problem in life, or a situation, or a circumstance, um, often something that we say as people is we often say this. We often say, "I need to just work this out." We face a situation, perhaps in our work, in our amongst our workplace, and we, in our mind, and perhaps we even say, "We say, I need to, I need to try and just work this out." Maybe you're facing something in your marriage, and you're trying to work it out. Maybe you're facing something in your finances and you're trying to just, look, we just need to to try and really work this out. This situation is bad. This situation is not what we expected. This situation looks like it's dead. We need to try and work it out. What I want to preach from this morning under the banner of I have issues, um, I don't want to preach on work it out, but I want to preach on the thought that we need to walk it out. Not work it out, but we need to walk it out. Tell someone I've got issues, but I'm going to walk it out. This story begins and it talks about chapter 11 and verse 1 starts and it refers to Lazarus. I like it. It says, and a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, a certain man. If you look up what that means, a certain man just means... um, It just means a regular man. Uh, It means, another interpretation just says, any man. Nobody special, um, just a a certain man. When I saw that, I thought about Lazarus and I thought, poor Lazarus, he's just a regular dude. Um, No one necessarily uh, special. I started reading these, this first verse, thinking of what from, filtered through that, that idea that he's just a regular man, but he's facing and if he's just a regular man, he's facing an irregular attack. The enemies come after Lazarus um, with a sickness that is so bad that the sickness actually leads him to death. But he's just a regular man. I thought, poor Lazarus. What's Lazarus done? He's just just a regular dude. And then as I kept reading, things started to make more sense. I started to see, okay, why would the enemy come after Lazarus? Lazarus is not a threat. Lazarus is not. He's just a regular dude. He's not necessarily a leader. He's not necessarily someone that's up there preaching, trying to conquer the world. He's just just a regular guy. But then as I started, as I kept reading the scriptures, the attack that, had come upon Lazarus started to make more sense because the scripture said it was that Mary. It says, Lazarus of the town of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Okay, now, now Lazarus has changed. Now he's, he was just a regular man, but now he's attached to a family that that knows how to worship. And 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 so I thought, okay, okay, the enemy's not going to like that. That's going to stir the enemy just a little bit. Um, but then it gets worse. And therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom hang on a sec, he who he whom you love is sick. Now, now Now you see where I'm going. The start, he's just a regular guy, just doing nothing, not bothering anybody. Why would the enemy come after him? But now we see that this regular guy is attached to something that's irregular. He's attached to not just a regular family, but a family that knows how to worship. Now he's got a relationship. We see it says he's the one who Jesus Who you love now is maybe the attack upon your life is not about you, but it's about what you're connected to. Maybe the reason that you're facing some things in your world right now is because you're attached to some things that are greater than who you are. Maybe the reason that the enemy is coming after you is perhaps not nothing to do with what you're doing right now. But maybe it's got something to do with what you're about to step into. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's a calling upon you. You might be regular, but maybe you're connected to an irregular calling. A quarterback doesn't come under attack until he gets the ball. No one's interested. No one cares about a quarterback on a football field. No one's trying to run him down and tackle a quarterback until a quarterback gets the ball in his hand. The moment he gets the ball in his hand, he all of a sudden gets a vision for his life. The moment the ball comes in his hand, is there becomes an opportunity for him to put some points on the board. No one's worried about the quarterback until the ball gets in his hand, then he comes under attack. The enemy's not worried about you until you start to get connected with your calling and start to recognise, hang on, there's a destiny upon my life that's not just here for me to just fill a seat on a Sunday. There's a destiny that's upon my life to put some points on the board for the Kingdom of God and the enemy's coming after you. If he is, just praise God for about 10 seconds because there's a calling on your life that's a threat to hell. Say, I've got something on my life. Maybe 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 things just took a turn in your life for the worse because you just caught the ball. You just you just caught the ball. Maybe maybe there is a big attack, but understand the reason why the big attack is coming is because you just you just caught the ball, the ball of purpose and the ball of destiny. What does a quarterback do when he gets the ball? He didn't stand there and start crying about all these players that are all of a sudden running against him. He didn't take it personal. He just recognised that what he just caught has just filled him with a vision. And he recognises, okay, even though I don't necessarily like this attack coming toward me, I recognise that this right now is what I have trained for. This right now is this. This right now is why I go to church on a Sunday. This right now is why I have a prayer life. This right now is why I read my word. This right now is why I declare the goodness of God over my life. Not so I can stay where I am and wait for the enemy to try and come to me, but so that I can start taking steps forward and do what God has called me to do. Praise Him if you receive a call upon your life that is a little bit of a threat to the enemy. He's, 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 he was a, a certain man. He was a regular dude. But was connected to an irregular calling. Don't think that what God has put upon your life is going to come without a fight. Where is it that we get in our head that something happens when we walk down the front and we feel the warm fuzzies on a Sunday and we say a prayer and we fill out a form and someone will call us the next day to find out how we're going and we think that we're just going to go ahead and just the enemy's just going to let us let us take ground for the kingdom of God. We're in a fight. We got to understand the Bible says you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but you do wrestle against principalities and against powers and it's time for us as the children of God to recognize I'm in a fight but I am on the side of the one who has already won the victory for me I'm going to go into his strength not mine and do what he's called me to do it was a it was a just a, he was a nothing dude but he was connected um, to something that the enemy didn't like and it goes on and and the story says that he was sick He was so sick that uh, Lazarus, he couldn't move. That while we get um, excited talking about the calling and we get excited talking about our purpose and talking about our destiny, the reality is um, I'm not trying to downplay the attacks that many of us face sometimes. Sometimes they are attacks that feel like they take our feet out from under us and this is what has happened to Lazarus. He's not dead yet, um, but he is out. He's 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 out um in the sense that so much so that the Bible says in this story that it wasn't Lazarus that went to Jesus for help. Many times in scripture we hear of of people coming to Jesus. I remember last week we talked about Blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus faced an attack, but there was still enough of him that he was able to get to Jesus himself. But in this story, Lazarus has faced something um, that's so great and that has hit him so hard that he can't even get to Jesus himself. But what I like is that he was surrounded by people that knew what it was and knew the importance of going to Jesus on his behalf. Who's in your circle? He was surrounded by a couple of crazy worshipping sisters. Come on. He had a couple of, couple of women around him um, that, that recognised that he was in a situation um, that needed them to send for Jesus on his behalf. Are you surrounded by people um, that know what it is to go on your behalf? Or perhaps are you somebody um, that knows what it is to go on somebody else's behalf that's, that's what an intercessor is. It's going. It's not just someone that, that just likes to just wander around and just do the airy fairies and pray in tongues. There's people that know what it is. To so the Bible talks about standing in the gap to go. See, that's what I believe God wants a church to be. That, that we as Free Chapel in Orange County, that we're not just here doing kumbaya. And, and it's good and it's nice and it feels good. And I love all of you. But how many know that what God has called us to do is actually not about those of you that are in this room right now. But those that are not, it's not about those that woke up this morning and said, I need to go to church, that the call of God upon this church is for those that woke up this morning and said, I'm going to go to the beach instead, that we need to actually know what it is to go to Jesus on behalf of others. Lazarus had had people around him that recognized this situation is not going to change on its own. This situation needs an intervention that is supernatural. And they went. You need to surround yourself with people that when you won't, they will. You've got to surround yourself with people that when you cannot, they can. And they know what it is to say, you know what? If you cannot seek God for your breakthrough, I will do it on your behalf. There's power in that, and so uh, we follow it, and, and we follow this story. and, and I love, uh, I love Jesus. So these these women, they come, they come to Jesus, and they tell Jesus. They they say to Jesus, "The one you, the one whom you love, is sick," and and we can learn something so powerful. I, I think from Jesus' response. Um. Jesus, his first response, he declares, it's it's a declaration. Notice he declares the first thing that comes out of his mouth is a declaration. He says, this sickness is not unto death. The sickness is not unto death. This sickness will not end in death. It was a declaration. He heard the facts. But when he heard the facts, he spoke the truth. We need to not allow the the facts of our situation that we're facing blur the truth of the promises uh, that are in God's word. You've got to know what it is to it's the difference between a flesh reaction and a spirit response. And how many know it can only, sometimes it just takes a few seconds. Because when we hear things and we face situations in our life and we're dealing with things, so often, I don't know about you, but for me, so often the natural reaction is to partner with the facts. The bank account is low. The facts are that it's low and it produces a fear inside of us straight away. The kids are running crazy away from God. The facts perhaps producing us initially, our natural reaction is a flesh reaction that freaks out. But I want to tell you, sometimes it just takes a few seconds to pause for a minute and just stop consciously and say, even though I want to have a flesh reaction, I am choosing To speak to my flesh and tell my flesh to submit to my spirit. And instead of a flesh reaction, I'm going to declare a spirit response that says, I may be down right now, but I am not out. I may be facing difficulties in finances right now, but the Word says that I'm blessed and I don't have to see it to declare it. I'm blessed because the Word says I am. I may be sick, but the Word says I'm healed. It may be brokenness around me, but the Word says I'm restored. I may be feeling empty right now and brokenhearted, but the Word says He came to heal the brokenhearted. It's knowing the difference. It's knowing the difference between a flesh reaction flesh reaction and a spirit response uh, get the focus off the problem and get it onto the promise let the promise be your filter let the promise be the lens through which you view everything. You ever get around those people and they're just positive about everything and it just drives you nuts sometimes? You just want them to be upset just one time, be negative just once. Why? Because they've got a filter. Of the promise. It's a lens through which I view every single situation filtered through the promises of God. So while there may be brokenness, all I can see is blessing because I've got a lens of the, of the, of the promises of God. It's, it's, a, it's a faith. That's what we see Jesus operate in. Not reacting in fear. But responding in faith. And he says, the sickness will not end in death. It won't end in death. But it may involve death. Because I bet that declaration, in fact, if you follow the story and you see Mary and Martha, they go back. Maybe they went back in faith. Of what Jesus said, I don't know, maybe they went back annoyed because Jesus didn't come straight away. I don't know. Um, but I dare say there was a point when Lazarus died that they doubted what Jesus had said, forgetting the specifics of what he said, that he didn't say that it may not involve death, but he said it's not going to end in death. In other words, what you're going through right now is not where you're going to finish. That sometimes all we need to know is that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Have you ever done a plank without a stopwatch? I don't know about you, but I can't, I cannot plank. Without a clock in front of me. Because what the clock does is I feel like I can endure anything. As long as I know that there's a time limit on what it is I'm going through. And as long as I keep the clock in front of me, I can go through however long I need to plank for, as long as I can count down the hours knowing that what I'm going through is not gonna be where I end up. And sometimes we've gotta allow the promises of God to be like a clock in front of us that says you might be going through hell, but there's a time limit on this challenge right now. And it may feel like death is the destination, but it is not, it's just a part of of the journey. He says it's not going to end in death. It's not going to end in death. See, he had an eternal perspective on this situation. But for the glory of God, he went on to say that the Son of God may be glorified through this. In other words, he's saying to him, there's a, there's a, there's a greater work in this. Maybe what you're facing is not really what you're fighting. Maybe there's a, there's, a, there's a bigger picture. See, if you look at this story, understand what Jesus is doing. Jesus is using the story of Lazarus. It was a prophetic, it was a fulfillment of a prophecy. Because the prophecy said that only the Messiah could raise somebody after three days. But it wasn't just for that. It was also to build the faith of those around because we didn't read it. But in 11 verse 45, then many of the Jews, this is after Lazarus has been raised from the dead. It says, then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. That maybe what you're going through right now is bigger than you that we could, we can take faith in this and understand that perhaps this battle that I'm walking through right now, that feels like it's all-consuming, that God is actually using this to demonstrate how powerful He is, that what God is doing in me is actually not about me, but it's about furthering His kingdom that people around me who are watching my journey, that maybe they couldn't handle this fight that I'm in right now. But when they see me walk through it and come through it victorious on the other side, it's not only going to build faith in me, it's also going to build faith in them that they're going to look at your situation and say, if she went through that, then maybe I can too. Maybe it's about us being less consumed with our world and being more consumed or being more committed to his kingdom. It's understanding maybe, maybe this isn't this isn't about me. And so Jesus says this to him, and then finally uh, he arrives. Jesus arrives on the scene. And what is uh, so interesting about this story is that Jesus comes and when Jesus gets there, he gets on the scene um, and he says, untie him, untie him. And then the story says, when Jesus arrives and says, I'm sorry, when he says, take away the stone Martha, the sister of him who was dead said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench uh, for he's been dead Four days. Um, that's, that's weird because wasn't this the very thing that she was asking him for? It's weird to me that she would go and ask Jesus to come and do something. But then when he comes and does it, uh, she doesn't like the process. Or rather, she doesn't like what, what she asked him to do. She doesn't like maybe it's the vulnerability Maybe it's the mess involved. See, sometimes I think we ask God to come and do things in our life, um, not realizing that in order for him to do what it is that we've been praying for, it's going to require a little bit of a mess that we didn't perhaps anticipate at the start. Maybe it's going to require a level of vulnerability when we come into church and we say, God, uh, mold me and God, shape me. And then God touches that pride that we've been hiding and God touches that hurt that we've been keeping away. And God says, in order for me to do what it is that you've asked me to do, I'm going to have to touch some things that maybe you don't like and you don't want to touch. I'm going to have to deal with some of the stinky stuff, some of the stuff that's a little bit messy, some of the stuff that you're embarrassed about, that you pretend when you come into church or come covered up and all done up nice on a Sunday that you don't want anybody to know about, that if we really got down to it, you would have to identify and recognise, you know what, I do have some issues and I do want to be grown and moulded into what God's called me to do. And you know what, I am now finally prepared to expose my weakness and my issues and get vulnerable and say, God, you know what, come and do what only you can do. And Jesus says to them, he says, roll away the stone. Then he says this, he says something that's so incredible. He yells out to Lazarus and says to Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says that Lazarus uh, comes out, but it doesn't say he came out uh, running or shouting praises. It says he came out bound raised up uh, but still wrapped up Lazarus come forth uh, the order you would think the order in which god would do it, it looks it looks like jesus messed up the order looks like he's he's done it wrong because wouldn't if you wanted somebody to come out wouldn't you speak to the wouldn't you speak to what's binding them first isn't that in interesting because it says that Lazarus, see Jesus did the work. He rolled away the stone and He raised him up. There was an element of this miracle um, that Jesus said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to remove the stone and I'm going to raise you up. But from when I remove the stone and when I raise you up to when you get completely set free, that middle part, that's on you. He says, Jesus says, I will do the work, but I need you to take the walk. Not work it, not work it out, but to walk it out. So what is our life with Christ? It's us walking it out. Now, is my walking it out, earning it? No, it isn't because the work has already been done. But in order for the work that He has done to be activated, the walk has to be lived out in my life. So what does the walking it out look like? Remember, this is a dude that's wrapped up. He's got, got bandages. Hang on, hang on. I wore my short, short pants just for this. Here we go. So it says that he's, he's bound. And it would have been worse than this. Lazarus. Come forth. Okay, Lazarus, life, life just entered His body. What is that? That is the ability in His body to move forward. That's the ability. God says, I've done it. I've done it on the cross. I've done it in your life. I've made a way. But right now the rest is up to you. So you don't have to work it out. But you do need to. Walk it out, and you know what walking it out looks like, especially at the start. What would it have looked like? Maybe that's maybe maybe that's why Lazarus God Jesus let Lazarus do it in the tomb while it was dark, so no one could see how stupid he looked. Because understand this, that sometimes the most powerful things in your life happen in dark places where nobody is around because purity in your private life will be power in your public life and what you do in the dark will give you authority for what God's called you to do in the light. And so Lazarus starts, what would that walk have looked like? Probably like this. Gee, that was, that, was, uh, that was a bit harder than I thought because that's what it's like at the start. We, we forget what, you come down the front, we think we're gonna roll away, it's all gonna be roses and, and fluffy and, and, and Hillsong's just gonna float in worship music and, and Pastor Jensen's just gonna come knock my door every single day and visit me. No, 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 you gotta walk it out. And so how do we walk it out? One of the best ways you walk it out is by the word Woody Davis say, your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So right now you've raised me up. I've been raised up, but I'm still wrapped up. And in order for me to get to the freedom that God has called me to, it's gonna require something on my behalf. So I'm gonna just walk it out. Lord, I'm, uh, I'm feeling depressed today. Um, but your Word tells me um, that you've given me the mind of Christ. Man, I don't feel like it. I don't I don't feel like running cuz I'm bound. But this word is not about what I feel like. This word is not about speaking just it's about declaring things to my flesh. So even though I don't feel like it, I'm not going to wait till I feel it. I'm going to declare the word and then I'm going to Walk it out. So, okay, Lord, I'm I'm a bit depressed, but I'm, my, my mind's bound. And I feel sick, but 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 in my body. But but the word says I know I feel sick. I want to stay here in my sickness, but the word that's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word tells me that I'm healed, man. That was that one, man. That one felt easier than that last one. Let's go another one, Lord. I'm scared. I'm, I, I, I'm bound in fear. I'm I'm constantly fearful. I'm fearful about what's going to happen to my kids. I'm fearful about my finances. I'm fearful about my job. But the Word tells me, the Word tells me that you haven't given me a spirit of fear, but I'm just going to declare the Word and I'm going to walk it. And then I'm going to walk it again. And then I'm going to walk it again. See, it's not a neat, clean thing um, to walk when you've been raised up, but you're still wrapped up. The problem is, is we put this perception out to people that the Christian life has to look all nice and pretty. And what that does is it imprisons people that are still bound up because they feel like they can't come out with an awkward walk. But I believe that's what the church needs to be on Sunday, that we're not got it all together, that we're really some people that are maybe stumbling in here every single Sunday saying, I've got some issues and I know he's done a war at work in my life, but I'm making a decision that I'm going to walk it out in Jesus Christ's Name and I'm just going to do it one step at a time. Walk it. Just walk it out, man. Just walk it out. Just pray it out every single day. Lord, help me. Lord, guide me. Lord, direct me. He called him. Look at this, I'm going to finish. He called him. Jesus shouted, and he said, Lazarus! He said, Lazarus. I thought that's I thought that was identifying who it was that he was calling out. That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? And you can preach that. You could say it's Jesus. He's personalizing the breakthrough, that he's calling you out. He's calling you he's a personal God he's a relational God and he's speaking your name saying it's your time and that's true there's merit to that problem with that is that Lazarus is the only one in the tomb so who else is he going to call out then then I saw this I looked at um, Lazarus's name it's a Greek it's a Greek word the Hebrew name for Lazarus is Eleazar. And do you know what that means? It means God is my help. God is my help. Maybe when Jesus called out Lazarus, He wasn't speaking to who He was calling out, but maybe He was declaring how He was gonna get out. Maybe it wasn't about speaking to the person, but maybe it was declaring how He was gonna roll out the process. How am I gonna do it? God's gonna help me. How am I gonna wake up tomorrow and overcome this challenge? God's gonna help me. How am I gonna raise these kids God's gonna help me. How am I gonna take one step at a time even when I feel like giving up? God's gonna help me. How am I gonna get up out of bed when my depression wants to keep me where I am? God's gonna help me. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to come and tell you the same thing that He said through Zechariah, that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my strength. He's calling you out this morning and He's saying you're not gonna do it in your own strength. I'm calling you by name and I'm declaring over your life that if you trust Me and you seek Me, you're gonna walk out of this thing. It's not gonna end there. It's gonna happen. He's worked it out. It's time for me. To walk it out. Walk it out. Walk it out. Every single day. Walk it out. Right across this room, I'm going to close. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.